This is Stories of New Americans with Ron Clutho, featuring inspirational and fascinating personal stories of people from all corners of the globe who are now in St. Louis. We'll take a look at the U.S. through newcomers' eyes, get some insight into world history and cultures, and maybe learn something about ourselves. Stories of New Americans on News Talk STL. Welcome back to Stories of New Americans. I'm joined today by Anwuli Okwashi. Did I pronounce that correctly? Yes, you did. She's from Nigeria. And um, my first question is, are we pronouncing the name of the country correctly? Nigeria, is it, how do you say it in your country? Is it Nigeria or something like that? Nigeria. It is correct. Yes. Okay. Very correct. And I think the name comes from the river Niger. Correct, too. But there's another country bordering your country. I think it's often pronounced Niger. Yes, Niger Republic. Niger Republic. Yes. And then how do you refer, if you are Nigerians, how do you refer to people that are from that country? Nigerians. Spelled with an E instead of an A, but is it pronounced a little differently or? Nigerians, Nigerians, Nigerians. As opposed to Nigerians. Yes. Okay. I was wondering about that. (laughs) All right. Well, let's talk a little bit first about you know, where Nigeria is geographically for people that might not know. Can you talk about what countries it borders, where it is on the map? Okay. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. And thanks for having me uh, on your your program. So Nigeria is bordered by um, Chad and Cameroon to the east, Niger Mm -hmm. to the north, yeah, Mm -hmm. and the Benin Republic to the west, and then to the south, we have the Gulf of Guinea, so those are the area, those are the countries surrounding Nigeria, and Nigeria is in the west, West African part Uh of Africa, yes. And it's, I believe, the largest African country in population, is that right? Yes, we are. 200 and... Well, million, officially, I... <laughs> they say 225 million. 25. We okay. we don't know how you know, if yeah. that figure is actually correct. Yeah. And is English the official language or yes. one of them? English is the official the language. The official language. Yes. But then there are many other languages. So many. We have about 500, 500. above 500 ethnic groups in Nigeria, and each of them have their unique dialects. Mm-hmm. So you have just smaller languages mm-hmm. here and there, but Aousa, Yoruba, and Igbo are the major ethnic groups mm-hmm. in Nigeria, and those are the major languages we have. Hausa, Yoruba, and Igbo. And Igbo, yes. Okay. And you are Igbo. I'm Igbo. Your, your background, right? Now, is your language related? Related to Hausa and Yoruba, or I mean, is no, it, not at all, not at all. Yes. So you need to speak in English to understand <laughs> each other, I guess. Oh, um, pidgin. Okay. We have the pidgin English that uh-huh. a lot of Nigerians speak. Yeah. It's called broken English as well. It's called broken it English. Sounds like patois. Okay. Yeah. So that's what most Niger. Oh, I mean, let me not say most. A lot of Nigerians speak pidgin English as well. So would. Most schools be conducted in English, and most business would be conducted in English generally. Yeah, at least English in the big cities. The, English is the language of instruction in all our schools. It's uh-huh. the official language. So mm-hmm. yes, you have um, some schools like in um, the Sharia region where Arabic they, they are t- you know they are taught in Arabic, but officially all schools registered under the Ministry of Education use English as the language of instruction. Are there Private schools, which would be conducted in the local language, are they are students allowed to attend things like that, or is it? 
They may be, but um, English is a requirement oh. for um, for um, for the major ex- for the major examinations you have to pass. Mm-hmm. But your first school leaving certificates, your junior um, secondary school certificates, and your um, general school certificate, which is um, equal to your GED mm-hmm. or your high school here. Yes. So English is a requirement. So even if you're taught in the local language, you need to take your exam. In, you need mm-hmm. to take English to qualify and get your certificate for those examinations. Is it kind of the British education system still since yeah. it was a British colony? Yes, it's – I would say yes. Yeah, it's still the same, mm-hmm. just maybe a little tweaks here and there. Mm-hmm. Okay. What other aspects of British culture do you still see in Nigeria today since you were a British colony for a number of years? Well, the language, of course, yeah. the education system, and maybe sports. <laughs> the you play like cricket and no um, football, Ru- what you call soccer. soccer. <laughs> <laughs> rugby yeah. is rugby popular too? No, we okay. don't. We don't do rugby. You have just very few um, people doing cricket. Uh-huh. I know. I went to a secondary school that was a unity school, and one of our um, physical. Um, exercises was cricket. Mm. We're just few people who participated in the game, but so it's a very minor sport mm. event. Yeah, but football is the major one, and the European League is <laughs> the most widely followed okay. sporting event in Nigeria. Nigeria date. always seems to make it into the World Cup, uh, at least the beginning. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we do. We yeah. do. Yes. Are you a tea drinking society? Did you get that from the British too? Hmm. Now that's an interesting question. Tea. Um, hmm. Is it is tea more popular than coffee, for example? Well, I would say yes. Um, yeah, I would say yes. Tea is more popular than coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, although now with all of the white collar jobs, you have people consuming coffee. Mm. But I think historically, tea used to be more popular than coffee. Yeah. Okay. Is Nigeria a member of the British Commonwealth still? Currently, we are. Okay. We were suspended in 1995. Suspended? Yes. Why? Following the um, the execution of Ken Saruwa. So Ken Saruwa was mm. um, yeah. Yeah, an environmentalist and human rights activist mm-hmm. who was executed by the military regime. And um, there was a world, you know, worldwide outrage. Yeah. And um, Nigeria was suspended. But in 1999, after the return to democracy, we were um, reinstated into the Commonwealth. How long have you been in St. Louis? Going on six years okay. now. Okay, about, oh gosh, probably 20, well, right, right around that time, 90, mid-90s, we had a wave of Ogoni refugees in St. Louis. And Ken Sauerwewa's sister lived here. Oh. I think, I mean, I knew her, but she moved to... I want to say someplace like North Dakota. Oh, that's interesting. I think she had relatives there. But, she, but yeah, so I, I became quite familiar with that oh. Port Harcourt, Ogoni, yes. Shell. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that later if we have time. But, <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. um, what, what is the advantage of being – or is there an advantage to being in the British Commonwealth for a lot of these countries around the world? Yeah, the, the British Commonwealth is just, um, you know, member countries coming together to promote their interest of members in terms of democracy and development. And for the people, ease of migration and um, mm-hmm. visa processes. Mm-hmm. Although that's in 
<laughs> in word, not action. Thing, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so I mean, technically, it it is maybe not easy, but possible to emigrate to the United Kingdom as a member of the British Commonwealth. Well, you're immigrating, I think, just like almost every other person, not because you're a member of the Commonwealth, oh. because there is no um, extra advantage. Oh, I th- yes, okay, I because you still have to to to. Um, to travel or to migrate to the UK, you still have to apply for your visa. You have to pay the fees. Mm. You have to go, you know, go through the whole process. So there's really nothing. Mm-hmm. And there, uh, once you, I just thought of this question now, I wasn't planning to ask you this, but do you know, like, if somebody uh, immigrates to the UK, okay. is that person expected to be independent? Is there some kind of initial assistance or as family and expected to kind of take I'm not over. Aware you don't know. Of, I'm not okay. aware of any assistance. I, I think you just have to um, just be like every other person because um, yeah. we follow this information on especially international students who've gone there and, you know, those who went on a work visa. There's really no extra advantage. Okay. Um, yeah. Nigeria is also our passport index. We have, um, I think we have... Um, with your passport, with your Nigerian passport, you can visit 27 countries oh. visa-free, but only nine of those countries are part of the Commonwealth. So oh. I really don't see the advantage to the Nigerian people. Interesting. Is oh. the United States one of those 27 countries? No. No? Okay. Sorry. <laughs> um, now, you, how many languages? 500, you said, and that many uh, ethnic groups? 500 plus ethnic groups, but um, oh, languages, yes, around the same, maybe. And... I guess maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm assuming that the border national borders were drawn by the colonizing powers sort of arbitrarily. Um, is there? I want to talk about the Biafra War in a minute, but are would it be better to divide into? I mean, some of these larger, um, like the House of the Ibo. I know the Ibo have tried, but is it? Is it a good idea to try to divide into smaller countries, or is is it is is there a Nigerian, I guess, national spirit that has been achieved over the years of living together? Well, if you had asked me this question before the twenty twenty three elections, I would say, um, okay, I think we should still try to you know find a way to you know common yeah. ground for the good yeah. of all. But this last election just kind of just had all of us you know in a very bad state and. Um, well, it's it's still a very dicey question because um, even if you try to you know disintegrate along ethnic or religious lines, you still can get it perfectly. You have the Ogonis and Andonis; they are both in River State and they are still warring tribes still today. You have you had the crisis, the Ijani Shekiris in Delta State, still you know within the de- the same Delta State, and you have some um, states in the north that are predominantly Christian states like Taraba. So if you're trying to do that geographically, it's going to be impossible. And in addition to the ethnic division, it's about 50-50 Christian Muslim, right? Well, the Muslim religion is um, fast um, becoming, yeah, growing fastly, is becoming the dominant religion in Nigeria. And that's mostly in the north. I mean, it's it's beginning to spread down to the south. You begin, you're beginning to see mosques being set up in places that mm-hmm. you would never have thought you would have Muslims, and you're having even Christians and core Igbos or core Southerners converting to um, Islam. So it's growing. Oh, and I believe many of the 
presidents or prime ministers have been Muslim since independence, right? The majority? Well, we've had um, – it's been a mix of those. Like Obasanjo was Christian. Jonathan was Christian. And um, there's, there's, there's been some sort of balance, you know, mm-hmm. Christian-Muslim tickets for the president, I mean. Yeah. But this is the first time since the current democratic dispensation that we're having a Muslim-Muslim ticket. And it has kind of made matters worse in terms of that discussion. Yeah. I think I read that if there is a Muslim presidential candidate, the running mate should, should be, be Christian, Christian and vice versa. Yeah, but this is the first time How we're having... How did they get away with not doing it this time? <laughs> is that part of the problem that you're seeing about that election? <laughs> well, it's, I mean, it's not part of the Constitution. Oh, it's just sort of it was just internal, agreement. Yeah, yeah, gentlemen's ag- agreement, internal party policies that just wanted to promote um, equity mm-hmm. and um, fairness. Mm-hmm. But this current administration decided, oh, no, we actually need to win this election at all, you know, at all costs. Mm-hmm. The person who was running on the, under the umbrella of the ruling party, the APC, is from the southwest, but he needed the block votes of, of the northern Muslims, and he picked a northern running mate who is also a Muslim. So here we are. Did he win... By a wide margin, you know? <laughs> it's heavily contested. Okay. Um, we don't have any proof to show that he actually won. He was declared oh. winner, but again, yeah. that's a um, topic for another day. Yeah, yeah. Um, why don't we take a short break here, and then we'll come back, and I want to get into your story. You're, we've talked a lot about your country, but I want to get into your story, too. Okay. So uh, we'll be right back. You're listening to Stories of New Americans on News Talk STL 101.9. Stories of New Americans with Ron Cluthow on News Talk STL. Stories of New Americans. Brought to you in part by Arnell's Hardwoods. For all of your laminate and hardwood flooring needs, call them at 314-397-3252. Stories of New Americans. Brought to you in part by the Indoor Comfort Team. For all of your heating and cooling needs, call the Indoor Comfort Team at 314-230-9542. This is Stories of New Americans with Ron Clutho on News Talk STL. Welcome back to Stories of New Americans. I'm joined by Anwuli Okwashi from Nigeria. And I, before we get into your life, I wanted to ask you about the Biafra War because I think a lot of people – I mean I'm old enough to remember – I was young but I remember hearing about it and seeing about it, seeing it on the news. Um, it was a, basically a separatist movement in the south of Nigeria. Can you tell me how that started and why and what was the result of it? Okay. First, I want to thank you for calling it what it is, the Biafra War. Most people call it the Nigerian Civil War, mm. which in actual, you know, in reality it wasn't because it was a war that was fought on Biafra land and Biafra land alone. So what led to the war, uh, again, this was before. <laughs> long I know, before, before your was, time. <laughs> I know. So, but, um, you know, there were talks of, you know, corruption at the, you know, the top and leading all the way down. And you had some young military officers who decided to come together and to conceive and plan and execute the coup. 
their intention, according to history, was to actually um, just you know take out all the top military, you know, ofi- the the new sorry the top military officers and um, infuse some new progressive blood that would take Nigeria forward. You know, the new new era, growth development, and um, yeah. So on the 15th of January 1966, the coup was announced in the four regions. At the time, you had the northern region, the south, I think the southern region, the eastern region, and the midwest. Okay, I think it was northern, western, midwest, and eastern region, yes. Okay. So the coup was announced, and um, in summary, most of the officers who actually executed the coup were Igbos. Um, someone like Kaduna Nzogu, who actually was manning the northern region, he's from my state, Delta State, but he was born and brought up in the north. That's why he had the name Kaduna. He hadn't, you know, been to the south and all, but because, you know, there were mostly Igbos, so it was termed an Igbo coup. And the Northerners suffered the most casualty. The Prime Minister, Sir Tafawa Balewa at the time, was from the North. He was killed as well in the coup. And <laughs> so um, the coup kind of was successful, but um, in a way it wasn't successful because it kind of widened the divide um, along, you know, ethnic groups and, you know, the sentiments that were um, that were already very slim, kind of became very, you know, it became worse. I mean, the the whole situation. Well, um, the I, th- I think it was on the sixteenth of January. Um, Major General Aguirunsi, who is Igbo, was installed as the head of state, and. The Northerners felt okay. The position, the appointments, the positions, and the way the government was run favored the Igbos. So again, it was kind of echoing that it was an Igbo coup, and um, they had a counter coup. Um, um, mm-hmm. Aguirunsi was killed in that coup. A lot of prominent Igbos were killed in the coup, and already the Norths were already agitated. So you had the, the pogrom. After that period, where Northerners in the north, sorry, Igbos in the northern part of Nigeria were killed. The Black Thursday pogrom, I read about that. That was just one. There were different. One, there was just yeah, one. Yeah, there were okay. different um, pogroms where Igbos were killed um, in mass numbers in the north. And um, so after so while you know while this happened, after Irunsi was killed, um, General Gowon was um, you know became the head of state and he tried to, you know, promote one Nigeria, okay, let's try to have a peaceful um let's ha- let's try to have a peaceful um you know, peaceful Let's try to have peace. <laughs> let's try to have peace, live together in peace, so yeah. to say. And um at the time they had a meeting, they had to go to Ghana for you know for security reasons and they had the meeting, you know, with people like Ujuku, who was, you know, leading the eastern region, saying, okay, we want to have regional government that is autonomous and um, whoever is at the center is just going to be like maybe uh, a figurehead, so to say. Each region should have their power and then we do this and this and that, among other things that he wanted. And it was agreed, you know, in Ghana that they were going to, you know, go with the accord. 
But I think when they came back to Nigeria, they realized, what did we just do? You mm. know, no, we can't have that. So they kind of went back on their agreement and um, they kept, you know, going back and forth. Ujuku did not want to. He insisted that we had this accord. We have to stick by the accord. And the um, Gowon said no. So they started, you know, trying to seek ways to water down the accord. Ujuku said no. And then he, dec- you know, he declared, you know, the state of Biafra and um, officially, you know. Is that the to- old name of the area, Biafra? No, it was the eastern region. It okay. was, yeah, it was eastern. Then it was region. So that was the eastern region. And then he said, okay, this is the independent Republic okay. of Biafra. And um, yeah, that led to the war. Yeah. And Well, I, I understood that the Igbo people generally yeah. were seen as a little bit more um, perhaps educationally and technologically advanced than many of the rest of the country. Yes. And that led to some, I don't know. Yes. Envy or something, and well, I would say yes. The Igbos are very industrious mm-hmm. by nature, and they are the most um, mobile. So, so there are many of them in the north traveling north, around. South, for- yes. So that's why you know it's actually easy to attack them the way that yes. So they were um, they were very progressive. Um, in, you know, they were involved in you know, lots of trade yeah. and they were um, quite, um, in, you know, affluent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. there was, yeah, you could, I don't know if to use the word envy or I really don't know. But yes, because the first, um, some of the first, um, I don't know if to use the word program or let me say attack that happened in the north. I think that was in 1945, even before oh. independence. Yeah. I know that after they had killed some of them, they tried to take over their properties. So that could you could say that stemmed from maybe envy, you know, seeing someone living around yeah. you, be, you know, having yeah. a lot more than you do. Yeah, and I, I I remember the scenes of starving children. Very correct. So my understanding though was that a lot of the deaths came from a, a targeted starvation. Yes, by the central by the government, government, right? Yeah, the Nigerian government weaponized know, starvation and um, blocked off, even when the international community was sending aids and all yeah. the, the Nigerian government blocked that from getting to the Biafran region. So you had lots of children in hundreds of thousands who, actu- who actually died from malnutrition yeah. and um, starvation. Yes. So. Now, what is the situation now in, in that region? Still, <laughs> it's, it's still unsettled. Still unsettled. You have people who have come up after Ojuku, like um, Namdikanu, who is currently in detention. You know, who, who has come out to say, "Okay, fine, just let us go. We yeah. don't want to. I mean, since you can't treat us equally as Nigerians, let us go. Let's find our way." Um, but you're having the government say, "Okay, try and you know go and put up a referendum," and you know they don't let them even meet because I, um, you know, I was aware that the last time they came together to even meet and discuss the Nigerian army. Um, they, there was an operation, you know, where they went in and actually shot them. So I, yeah, it's, you have people who are really upset and 
Well, it's uh, some people are still upset with Ojuku till today because they felt because he kept you know pushing the war, he kept trying to dialogue, and they felt that gave the Nigerian government undue advantage to advance. That if he had declared the war earlier, they would have been able to you know they would have won. So some people still ha- you know hold that sentiment. I I mean I wasn't born then, I don't know, but um, looking at events, you know, in recent times, you have you know. Yeah, it feels like that region is still being marginalized till today. Mm. And you have, you know, even younger people being agitated. Like I said, during I didn't know how bad the Igbophobia was until the last election. Um, I had, you know, participated from here trying to organize people. OK, you guys go vote. I was trying to be active in discussions that were happening on social media and the vitriol and the antagonism against the evils wow. just left me, you know, sp- sp- just left me speechless. I was like, where is all this? I didn't know it was that bad. So, yeah. yeah. And I, I think Ebo is about 18% of the... Yes. Will there be another attempt at <laughs> secession? I don't... <laughs> I don't think that Nigeria as it is is going to want the Ebos to leave. Okay. Yes. Because maybe partly because they produce a lot of wealth that the country needs? Well, for whatever reasons, and they just, um, if uh, there is this saying that when you obliterate your enemies, you turn on yourself and eat yourself up. So (laughs) I think for me, that's the main reason they need to have someone, they need to have a common enemy to continue to Mm. exist in the way they are. Interesting. Okay. Well, let's take a turn. Let's, okay. I, I don't like to talk about politics too much, but I'm going to talk about your story. And you you were born in, in the area where the Igbo I was, predominate, I right? was actually born in the ancient city of Benin, the Benin Kingdom, if you've heard of the old and ancient Benin Kingdom. I was born there. The for, country of Benin? No. Or, there, is okay. a, there, is a, there is a city called Benin City in Edo State oh, okay. of Nigeria. Okay. Yes. And um, I was born in Benin, but I grew up in Asaba, Delta State. So um, I had my primary education in Asaba, secondary education. I went to the East, I actually schooled in Onitsha and Amra States. And then my university, I went back to Edo States and um, I schooled in, my undergrad was in Ambrosali University, Epoma. Was this a, did you grow up in a diverse area? Yes, yes, yes. Um, both Benin, Edo States and Delta State were diverse. Uh, Edo State has the, the Benis, the Asan, the Owens. You know, the, you know, um, they are they are they are um, a diverse group, and Delta State too. Where I grew up, you have the Ebos, you have the Ijaz, the Shekiris, and um, what are the what are the tribes we have in Delta State? We have quite a lot smaller tribes, yeah. All so, with their own language, but you all, you I guess you conducted your school and you spoke English with friends, right? Yes, yes, you speak English. Okay. Um, sometimes so they try to get you to speak the native language yeah. where you school. Yeah, but English is still the dominant language. Interesting. Um, what was your impression of the United States when you were a student? Here? If, when you were... Back in Nigeria? Back as in primary and secondary school. Yeah. Did you have an image based on movies or something? Yeah, movies, novels. I used to read novels a lot and movies. Um I kind of just felt like, so from the movies, it feels like, oh, this is um, a happy place. You know, this is like, oh, like this is 
everything good is here, you know, positive vibes and all. And then some of the movies kind of gave you a different impression. Like, you know, it feels like there was so much, like, you know, all the movies with the government having all the, you know, um, yeah, they got kind of so, darker. Yeah, in the sixties and seventies. <laughs> yeah, the government's trying to, you know, the agencies trying to shut down people and stuff. And you're like, okay, you know, mm-hmm. you're trying so hard to relate both. Yeah, so that was my impression. Was actually, um, I mean, I had you know, a double impression. Mm-hmm. Okay, life here is good. Things work there. The system works. Um, but then you might have, you know, find yourself. Being um, embroiled in some sort of government, yeah, yeah. things fall apart just yes. like in, just like, just like yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, did you ever think you would live, be living here when you were a fifteen-year-old, no. sixteen-year-old? Not at all. In fact, up until you know when I graduated from college, I never wanted to leave. I wanted to travel and see the world, but I did not want to leave mm-hmm. outside Nigeria. Did you travel a lot? Not 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 so much. I traveled to some countries in West Africa, and I was just going to start living the life. But um, mm-hmm. no, I had to come here. Decided to come for my masters here in the U.S. And um, yeah, I still hope to travel to lots of countries, but I haven't done a lot of that. You came here for your masters. Yes. And when when was that? That was in twenty seventeen. Okay. Did you come to St. Louis directly? Yes. So. Um, <laughs> Well, directly, um, there's no direct flight. I mean, I don't mean like first day, but I mean, was your destination St. Louis? Yes, yeah. St. Louis was my destination. I actually (laughs) traveled like last minute because Mm -hmm. I was walking up until the last minute. So I just hurriedly, you know, had to round up the project I was working on. The flight I got was a Qatar was a Qatar Airways flight that was almost 40 hours. (laughs) So I went through Doha and then. Um, Atlanta International Airport, and then go here, like t- two days. To, oh my gosh! Yeah. <laughs> Where, um, what did you say your undergraduate degree was in? In economics. E- economics, and then you did work for a while before you yes. started the masters. Yes, I did. Okay, I worked in telecoms, and then I worked in management consulting before uh-huh. I came here. Did you think that um, the advanced degree would help you back in Nigeria, or? I mean, is that the purpose of the Yes, master? I wanted to. At the time, I was thinking of, yeah, just getting more experience. Uh-huh. And also the long-term goal was to go into full-time consultancy. I, I actually loved consulting, you yeah. know, being able to articulate, you know, complex issues and find solutions to them. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the hours were crazy, so I wanted to work for myself. Yeah. So my long-term goal was to actually go into, you know, full-time consulting for myself, yeah. But you, did you... Intend to return to Nigeria after yes. the okay. originally I had said okay I would um, you know study uh-huh. gain some work experience here and then travel back to Nigeria mm-hmm. but then at the time I left it was um, the Buhari regime I think <laughs> things were going from bad to worse but we didn't know how oh. how bad it was going to get but you think oh this is the worst it can get and then you hit a new low and yeah. the, uh, so. 2018, after my um, program, I was like, okay, I don't think I'm going to be going back in the nearest future because um, I'm an, you know, I'm an economist and I know that, you know, the it wasn't looking good. The outlook wasn't um, positive. And I said, okay, I don't want to have to deal with that. I will just see how I can stay here. Fortunately, I got a job at St. Louis University and I stayed. 
um, was was going to get your master's in a Nigerian university an option, or why, why was it that you thought you no, wanted to I, come here? No, uh, I no, I didn't want to get my master's okay. in a Nigerian university. Okay. I I wasn't. Um, well, the standard for me wasn't something I I felt was worth it, and um, I didn't want to do that. So I just said, okay, if I'm going to actually improve my skills, if I'm going to um, improve my marketability and all, I would, yeah, the U.S. was my top destination. Mm. Okay. Why don't we take another short break here and then we'll pick up the story when we come back. You're listening to Stories of New Americans on News Talk STL 101.9. Stories of New Americans with Ron Clutho on News Talk STL. Stories of New Americans Brought to you in part by Samim Afghan Restaurant Featuring traditional Afghan cuisine And conveniently located on Manchester Road in the Grove Stories of New Americans Brought to you by Hacking Law For individuals who want to come and stay in the U.S. Hacking Law fights for immigrants every day Visit them at HackingImmigrationLaw.com this is Stories of New Americans with Ron Clutho on News Talk STL. Welcome back. We're talking with uh, Anwili Okwashi from Nigeria, and we were talking about how she came to the United States for a master's degree, and you came to St. Louis University. Yes. Were you familiar with St. Louis as a city before this? I had visited once. So oh, you had? My, yes. My brother and the family lived here, and I actually oh. lived with them during my, okay. you know, well, during my graduate lot, studies. That made it a lot easier. Yes. So when I was looking for schools, I was looking at Missouri. You know, I mean, I didn't you know, understand the geographical mm-hmm. terrain so much, but I was like, okay, since I have family in St. Louis, anywhere around Missouri yeah. will be great. But when I saw the program, the Applied Financial Economics program that SLU offered, it was just everything I wanted. Mm-hmm. I spoke to the, um, I spoke to the, the the people who were in charge of you know graduate admissions, and you know I said, yeah, this is what I want to do, and I applied, yeah, and I was offered an admission. So, okay. Yeah. Um, can you remember your first impressions of America? Maybe not what you expected. <laughs> Although you had been here before for a yeah, short visit. Yeah, for a short visit. Um, I think for me, well, maybe because I just came in and went slam dunk into school. I did mm-hmm. a one-year um, condensed program. Oh, you were pretty busy. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I think for me, the, the the first impression I had was just surprise. You know, uh, lecturers had office hours. You could, you know, actually email them and they would respond and actually, you know, if you had a question, they would answer, walk you through, whatever. I did not have that privilege wow. back in Nigeria. So, really? Yes, yes. So that was my first. And um, um, I think most people were just really, like, pleasant. I didn't, again, I had most of my work cut out for me in terms of academics. But um, also, I'm Catholic, you know, attending Mass. You know, it was just nice to see that you still had, you know, I mean, 
you still had a thriving Catholic community. Mm-hmm. You know, the what we hear back at home is that, oh, most people don't go to church anymore in the West. You know, mm-hmm. most of the churches have been converted to either warehouses and stuff. And I was like, no, you have morning mass. You have midday mass in some parish, in some parishes. You have daily masses here. So I was really impressed by that. Mm-hmm. That was something else that you know, I wasn't expecting. Mm. And yeah, just I think most people were welcoming. You know, you ask someone a question as a newbie. You keep asking questions. You ask someone and the person is willing to even, you know, go above and beyond if you're, if you're looking for directions. Some even want to, okay, let me walk you and show you, mm. you know, where you can. Yeah, so I think okay. most people were helpful. Okay. I don't know if it's just the slow community, again, because I was kind of, you know, dealing more in that space. But mm-hmm. that was my takeaway. Were there any, I mean, I'm, I'm, you probably speak British English yes. as opposed to American English. Mm-hmm. So were, were there any linguistic misunderstandings? I've got British <laughs> friends that say things I don't understand. Yes. Till now, I mean, I mean, that's, I think that's one area that is so difficult. Um, the first time I came here, till now, I, I still do that subconsciously. Like you're trying to get french fries. You'd be like, okay, can I have some chips? And they're like, you know, the, <laughs> yeah. the, the blankster or you're trying to maybe get, you know, someone to pop their trunk. You'd be like, oh, please open your boots. What's the boots? Yeah. You know, yeah. so all those, yeah, sometimes that we still use that, yeah. you know, you you don't use here, you know, at first and then you remember and correct yourself. Yeah. And, yes. Do, when, when people maybe on, on campus, um, Learn that you're from Nigeria. Do do they have questions that they often ask, or that, do they have? Do they know anything about Nigeria, or do they are they misinformed about Nigeria? Well, some of them are. Some of them have an idea of Nigeria. I think maybe because of our music now, our music has gone international. So some people actually, um, you know, get to know about Nigeria. And, um, yeah, there may be some misinformation. Some people don't know that Nigeria mm-hmm. is an English-speaking country. Mm-hmm. So one of the questions you keep, ask, you, know, you keep getting asked is, where did you learn how to speak English? Mm, <laughs> where yeah. did you learn how to speak English? And that's really funny. I think that's one of the questions that if you're in a Nigerian or African gathering, you hear the most hilarious response of what people actually. But for me, it's a teaching moment. Yeah. You know, yes, I'm like, yeah. oh, Nigeria is an English-speaking country. And yes. Yeah, so. I think a lot of people think everybody in Africa speaks Swahili. No, or French. So you have the Francophone. Yeah, Fran- but I yeah. think the M, for some reason, a lot of Americans think <laughs> Swahili is the language of all of Africa. Well, I don't know where that came from. Well, maybe they do. And some, well, maybe not at slew, but um, you, you, know, you hear some people still ask things like, oh, you know, um, electricity, how do you move around? And uh, well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, you said you're working, you're working at St. Louis University yes, now? Yes, I work at St. Louis University. Okay. I've been that- there since 2019. And is that going okay? Yeah, it's so far so good. Okay. Yeah. That's great. Before that, I did my internship with Reinsurance uh-huh. Group of America. Again, uh-huh. I'm used to the corporate life. Okay. So being in academia is kind of different for me, but it's been a, you know it's been an experience so mm-hmm. far. So so far so good. Do you think you would ever go back to live in Nigeria if things improve, or do you feel like this is becoming home for you now? Well, I think Nigeria will always be home for me, and. Yeah, I was thinking, oh, okay, I'm going to stay here for a while, you know, before I ever think of going back to Nigeria. And But given the recent happenings in Nigeria, I kind of just feel, you know what, maybe I should go back. So I've been thinking, 
you know, I've you know been talking to some people who run some educational programs and all of that. I'm like, okay, let's see how you know those of us who have been yeah, they need blessed, people like you. yeah, those of us who have been blessed to, you know, gain this experience or mm-hmm. have access to these resources can actually you know take them back home. Yeah. yeah. So I think maybe compared to my earlier estimate, I may go back to Nigeria before. Have you gone back to visit since you've moved here? I went in 2019. I lost my dad just three weeks into my job. Yes, I had to travel back for the funeral, and that was the last time I've been in Nigeria. Okay. Well, you were were focusing on your family then, but did you notice any good or bad changes in the time you've been gone? Well, like in I, society in general, yeah, like I said, for me, it's 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 gone worse. When we, um, I mean, <laughs> when when we traveled in 2019 to um, for my dad's funeral, we were we were extra conscious. Um, I think because of the economic decline, you've had an increase in you know crime, especially violent crimes, kidnapping for money and all. So we were extra. You know, security conscious. Okay, if you if you don't have a reason to leave the house, don't leave the house. Oh. Make sure we all move in groups. You know, we had um, luckily we had security also to you know go with us where we wanted to go. So oh. yeah, it's bad. And then um, during COVID, you know, it got even worse with you know even more economic decline, inflation, and also. The price of things, the you know, back then, you know, like when I talk to some people, I'm like, how is this this you know this amount? And they're like, okay, you might have been gone a long time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I will have a few general questions for you. Um, can you talk about Nollywood? Okay. Now, I, I I was shocked to see this. Nollywood is the Nigerian film industry, mm-hmm. kind of after Bollywood, which is the Indian film industry, which is after Hollywood. I read Bollywood is the largest film industry in the world. Nollywood is number two. Hollywood's number three. Is that right? <laughs> so the Nigerian film industry is larger than the American film industry. I don't think so. That's in, what I read. Yeah. In terms of um, the, the, the industry size, I mean, in terms of revenue and um, also, I think, let me use revenue yeah, I I think Hollywood is bigger than Nollywood. So really? I, I really don't know how they calculate these metrics. But again, um, for me, I think in terms of revenue, yeah, Hollywood is bigger than Nollywood. We are getting there, but we are not there yet. Yeah. How, how did – how and when did it become such a big deal? Yeah, so um, we've had – um, movies we've had films being produced, and mostly I, th- I think the you know the westerners were the ones taking you know driving that. But we had someone from the east who um, produced the movie Living in Bondage. That kind of set the tone for modern day Nollywood, and you know so you had. It became so big; it was talked. It was talked all over the world, and that kind of bettered Nollywood. And would you are these films played in other countries too? I guess all over Africa and maybe other parts of the world. A lot. Currently, you have so many of our films on Netflix. Really? On Prime? Yes. <laughs> there are so many. You should watch some of them. I would love to. Yes. Are they are they in all the various languages, or are they mostly in English or both? Some of them are in you know native languages, okay. and some of them are in English. 
um, you could you get the subtitle if you're watching it in the native language. And um, yeah. Is the film capital, is it Lagos or Abuja or is it various places? <laughs> so <laughs> Lagos is um, basically where you have the elites, oh. Nollywood. Mm-hmm. But then you have um, like the smaller subsect, like you have the Yoruba um, mm-hmm. Ibo industry. You have the Igbo movie industry that has moved to Asaba now. They call them Asaba Wood. So Asaba Wood. Okay, <laughs> no, that's a new so one. It's not an official name, but that's what they call them. Wow. Yeah. Then you have the Aousa, um, you know, you have the Aousa industry as well. But yeah, for um, most of the big movies, like I said, the elite movies, Lagos. Interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, we have a fairly large Nigerian community in St. Louis. Mm -hmm. And except for the Ogoni people who came as refugees, Mm -hmm. um, they mostly came like you as students or they came as immigrants Mm -hmm. with, you know, able to become self-sufficient. Many of them became doctors. And I'm just wondering – and I also read that the Nigerian-Americans have like on the average a much higher income level than – average American and also higher percentage of people have college degrees. What do you attribute that to? Is it just like family values or religious faith or? Yeah, I think for most Nigerian um, families, education is big. So most of, you know, families where the parents maybe were not college um, educated, they want to see their children thrive. They want to see their children become better than them. So education is really big in Nigeria. You have almost everybody, once you complete your secondary school, which is your high school here, you're thinking of going into higher education. And yeah, so that would kind of drive why you, why you have a large, um, large population who are either enrolled or have completed their um, college degrees. And like you said, most of the people who immigrated here might have come as students on a student visa. So if you already have a college education, you're coming here, you're coming for you know a graduate degree, and that already places you you know high above the average or a lot of Americans mm-hmm. who would just maybe stop at a first degree. Are you in in contact with other Nigerians in St. Louis? Are there like community associations and? I am. In okay. fact, I I was at an event last week, and um, it was you know I met with the president of the African Chamber of Commerce here in St. Louis. She's from Nigeria, oh. and when I went through this, because she I was you know trying to ask her what you know her plans and what they were doing. So when I went through the website, I noticed there were you know we had the Congo community, you had mm-hmm. the Sierra Leone, you had, but there was no Nigerian community. You're and, kidding. <laughs> And Nigeria is one of the largest yeah. um, African communities here in St. Louis. So I asked, you know, one of our respected, um, you know, who has been here for quite some time. And I said, Nigeria doesn't have a community. What happened? And he said, well, maybe you young ones might get it moving. But during our time, you know, nobody wanted to drive that. So, well, let's see how it goes. I think it would be beneficial, especially, yeah, among the younger ones, yeah. the students who are coming. Yeah. Um, do you have all these different ethnic groups represented here? Are there Hausa, Yoruba, yes. Fulani? Yes. And are there tensions among the groups here or do you all consider yourselves? No, not at all. Okay. So I, well, I mix well with everyone. <laughs> and um, 
you have the AUSA community, um, some of them, the ones who I'm close to, when they have their um, Islam festivals, like the Ideo Malud, Ideo Fitri, they're like, oh, come on, you know, we just, mm-hmm. everyone just comes together, have a good time. The Igbo communities, when they have their events, I go there. You know? So I think everyone, you know, kind of just maybe um, some people, some of us work in the same, you know, space or environment. Mm-hmm. And professionally, yes. But I think when it comes to, you know, having a social um, group, I think it's just the pockets of each mm-hmm. ethnic group, the Igbos, the Alsas, you know, just doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really think it's going to be beneficial for us to have a you know, unified Nigerian Maybe community. you're the one to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see how and it all goes. your free time. Yes. Let me ask you, what is the best and what's the worst thing about living in the United States for you? Oh, the best thing for me is the opportunities. There are lots of opportunities. Even if you decide to close your eyes, an opportunity might hit you in the face, mm. you know. So, yeah, the opportunity endless, both in terms of the skills you're acquiring, the connections, the network you meet. You know, you go to morning mass, 7 a.m. mass, and the person who is sitting beside you might be a top government function. <laughs> so it's actually, um, you know, lots of opportunities, good connections. And for me, the... Uh, Hmm. The worst now, that's a funny question. I don't, um, well, I just, it's something I'm, I mean, I've, I haven't been here long enough, but you know, mm-hmm. you're beginning to see, you know, some level of um, divide. And coming yeah. from Nigeria, I just don't want, you know, I would, don't want to see, you know, that decline in yes. the US. Yeah. Well, I agree with you. And I think. Coming from you, that would mean a lot if, if you know, if people like you would speak out because you've, you've seen what that can lead to. Yes. And I agree with you. It's, it's really – I've never seen anything like this before. Yeah. Do you have any final words of wisdom for our listeners? Anything you might want to say? Oh, a, well – I mean – Being in the U.S. Um, being in the U.S. has been a blessing. I've um, grown both in terms of um, emotionally – Age-wise, mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been here for six years. Um, I'm more mature. I see life differently. I'm more exposed to, you know, a more different culture than it was back at home. Mm-hmm. And um, I've also been blessed with some wonderful relationships here. Yeah, so I think in all, it's been a blessing. I I don't believe in good or bad. I believe in experiences, you know, taking whatever experience life throws at you making the most out of it. And I just want, you know, everyone to kind of just have that, um, you know, have that mindset, you know, don't feel like, oh, today is a bad day. Oh, no, this situation is bad. No, look for the good in it. Or you just take the lessons Mm -hmm. and then try to be more open. Um, I think the U.S. is, um, most people I've spoken to in the U.S., some of them will say, oh, okay, I was born here, I lived here all my life. I just think as an American, given your passport index, you have the opportunity to actually explore and see the world outside the U.S. Take advantage of it. Go out, travel. Well, even if you don't want to travel physically, we live in an era where you can actually, you know, get this information at your fingertips from books, Mm -hmm. from media. So just try and, you know, explore. Don't limit yourself to whatever it is that you have here. I agree. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Well, thank you very much for for sharing with us. Um, Appreciate it. Uh, You've been listening to Stories of New Americans on News Talk STL 101.9. Thank you for listening. (laughs) 
Stories of New Americans with Ron Clutho on News Talk STL. 